From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. A military-grade rocket was found in a Bellevue man's garage. Also in Bellevue, by the way, what is going on at IHOP? Because three people have been linked to a salmonella outbreak. A fraternity shall no longer be allowed in Washington State. This is actually more important than I think the headline actually says. I think there's a headline behind the headline here okay. that we got to talk about. Before we get to all of that, though, the U.S. has bombed 85 targets in Syria, and in, in Iraq and Syria, and it looks like this is in retaliation for the Iran-backed terrorists who killed those three service members last week. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, this is just kind of, you know, the way that war unfolds, I suppose. I mean, I know we like to say we're a country without wars, but this is mm-hmm. what we do. We do proxy war and indirect war. We do asymmetrical war. Rarely, I, you know, as far as like boots on the ground goes, mm-hmm. you're full mil, you know, mad dog Mattis out there. Probably not going to happen. Too expensive. Americans don't have the, the patience for it anymore. They simply do not. No, and after 20 so, some years in the Middle East, we yeah. have lost our stomach for putting American so citizens, you American will, soldiers. Anybody yeah. who, any representative, whether a Democrat or Republican, who su- suddenly starts flipping the script and is pro war, they are getting shellacked on well, social like, media. You mean like Lindsey Graham last Lindsey week? Lindsey Graham. Yeah, bomb any, Karam, bomb today. Anybody yeah. who's even touching on that, because I think that the, uh, the, Politicians probably should have learned from Ukraine that Americans are getting very wary of forever war. I know that a lot of people like to say that Donald Trump didn't have any new start, any new wars under his president. He brought peace everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Uh, Trump still used all of the tools that Obama used during his eight years in office. Trump followed the model of Barack Obama, which was preferring drones and and security teams as opposed to direct all-out war u.s troops u.s troops true absolutely true and this uh, this funny i'm watching uh it was mitch mcconnell surprisingly enough who was talking about supporting ukraine Mm. and mcconnell's very um he's adamant about the u.s's responsibility on the global stage because he's got those sweet weapons contracts exactly that's exactly it because he says look what we're doing is we are upgrading our domestic supply of defense because we are selling all the things to Ukraine. Yeah. We're, the, we're not just giving them money. We're gi- we're giving Ukraine all of these military equipments and, and, and supplies and munitions. We're emptying our, our ware storehouses and we're building new. We're we're upgrading our personal, our American. Because defense. then we get to then buy it from Lockheed Martin using right. we're, your we're, taxpayer we're dollars that could probably and, have gone to schools. And, and we're taking on our, our probably one of our biggest global uh, enemies or please. adversaries please. in Russia. Please. What do you please. mean, please? Please. He's letting, we're letting Ukraine Please. do it. Please. Oh yeah, I mean I don't know. I That's just, what he's saying. I'm very cynical about this, the war machine. I'm very, no, very no, cynical. I, I, about and it. I respect that you are. I think you're, you're absolutely right about this. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of, by the way, bombs and whatnot. A military grade rocket was discovered in a Bellevue man's garage after his death. I really got to know what is going on in Bellevue. When I read this, they actually they had to call it the the. Bomb squad to come take a look at it. As they should. So they got a call from a resident saying that there was a military-grade rocket in the garage of the guy who lived there before he passed away. Guy goes in there and says, hey, there's a rocket in here. Turns out it's a Douglas Air II Genie, and it is an unguided air-to-air rocket that is designed to carry a 1.5 kiloton nuclear warhead. But there was no warhead attached. (laughs) So it looks like he just got the chassis. 
And I was thinking, well, that's good news. Yeah, that's a bright silver lining. But then I was thinking, (laughs) why does somebody own a rocket chassis? And then I realized that dudes in general like to own weird things, more so than almost anybody else. Nicolas Cage, as an example, bought a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. Seriously? Yeah, and then he sold it to Johnny Depp, and then it was a whole thing. Yeah, it's (laughs) a whole thing. So I, there's this weird thing that dudes do where they just want to collect weird objects. You, you ever have a dad that's got the the useless scraps of wood oh. drawer, right, that he's- I may need this. That he's hoping and praying yeah. one day that someone will need exactly a six by four, one inch wide piece of wood. Absolutely. Of, I've got that right. crown molding. Hold on. I know exactly where this is in my garage. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you. Exactly. That's what I think this guy was doing, is he was saying to himself- well, I've got this rocket just in case one of my kids ever needs to. Right, it's re- neat. Right. What, um, my goal hey, is to build a rocket ship in the backyard for my grandkids. If I ever run into Wiley E. Coyote, I want to be prepared. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I'm um, anyway, I'm glad they found it. There was no rocket fuel in it, by the way. But older dudes have to work on their collecting of weird objects because it's just. Uh, d- Laura, have you noticed this phenomenon? You're looking at me like you're like this is a mystery to you. But are you familiar with this phenomenon of the man who buys weird things? Uh, yeah, my dad is really into collecting, like, guitar amps, like, old broken ones, then he rebuilds them. Does he really? Yeah. Okay, but that's kind of a, that's a bridge, that's a kind of a different continent than a rocket chassis, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, like, my dad- It's a little bit of, like, taking things apart, right. putting them back like, together, right. yeah, but slightly see- less risk of things exploding right. and destroying, leveling a neighborhood. <laughs> but, like, my, you know, my dad was a Chevy Nomad guy. That's what he liked to buy and repair oh, the and restore. the wagons? That oh, was his big thing. man. That, again- is a, a an entirely different planet than I want to get a warhead rocket and I want to have it in my garage. <laughs> I want a Douglas do energy. Speaking of impending disasters, IHOP, the International House of Pancakes. Speaking of things that could blow up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. A, there's an outbreak it, it, it connected to it of salmonella. It's sickened three people. Also in Bellevue, what is going on in Bellevue? So this looks like that uh, many people are hospitalized for salmonella. Yeah. Somebody in the building has salmonella, I believe. And they the and these people end up getting hospitalized for it. Um, the Basically what they did, they went back to that IHOP and they were saying going over health measures and all this other kind of stuff. Right. And they, they dined there in a period between like mid-October and late December. Right. So and this, they, they found and stopped the problem. This is the moment. Where Spike, you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm like an anarcho-capitalist, libertarian. Yeah. Like that's the world in my heart of hearts. When I imagine my perfect utopia, that's what it looks like. Sure, that for me is a is a, a applied philosophy ended when I realized how stupid people were about COVID. Not in the sense that they uh, uh, overreacted, right? Not in that sense, but in the sense of. I saw a guy, this is before any data had come out about COVID. Now, I'm about as close to a COVID denier as you could possibly get, but I'm not stupid about it. This guy, when COVID was first breaking out, there's this guy down in L.A. County who went to an anti-COVID protest, and he demanded that people cough in his face. And he had a sign that said, cough in my face. And he went around and he yelled at people, cough in my face. And then he kept doing that over and over and over again. And every time I saw this, a little piece of my libertarian soul died because I, <laughs> I, guess I can imagine because so. I thought to my, this is what I thought to myself. I may be a covid denier, but if this was Ebola and that guy was going around saying cough in my face, let me kiss your monkey, let me kiss your monkey yeah. right now, I would have to say, 
yeah, the state's going to probably have to come in and quarantine everybody. <laughs> Sorry, libertarians. We got to get rid of that one. No, to ruin it for the common sense people right. like you. Right? right. That's that's what I'm saying yeah. is that so what you're showing me with your own. And so I, I wrote this into the IHOP thing because when I read these stories, a little piece of my libertarian soul dies. Because I realize that things like the Food and Drug Administration or the uh, the bu- sanitation, the and, sanitation health and health yeah. department, San- thank you, probably a good idea, yep. so that we don't all end up with salmonella. You know, it's probably a pretty. I'm happy to, for my taxpayer dollars to go there, so when I do go to IHOP on the rare occasion that I decide to torture myself, that <laughs> some comfort food, <laughs> so, some right? Com- yeah, comfort yeah. Food. Spike's gonna be much nicer than I am to IHOP. <laughs> That at least there is. I think it was named Rudin, Tootie, Fruity, Fruity, whatever's in the. Can't at least be all there's bad. like some semblance of control there, right? At least there's some semblance of responsibility there. You know, people who say they want government out of their lives and government's intrusion and big government's a bad thing take clean water and safe food and safe prescription drugs for granted. Right. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. have you ever worked in a commercial kitchen? Oh, yes, I have. So you, yeah. so you have some experience. I, I spent my teenage years working first as a dishwasher, then a food prep, then a line cook in a, in a, in a nice restaurant. And I'm lucky because I've got friends who worked in just lower end food restaurants yeah. or fast food places, and the corners that are cut and the and the blind eye that are turned to you know when you when you smell something to see if it's safe to serve the customers that's your barometer for safe that's how salmonella outbreaks happen right I mean seriously there are guidelines in place to keep people safe because this stuff can kill people it's not just an upset tummy or you know coming out of both ends this stuff can kill people. Yeah, and and I often think that that people don't really take into account like the because I I saw this post that this young woman made where she was talking about she's crying because she has to work forty hours a week and she only makes two thousand dollars, uh, you know, every two weeks right. and her rent is like sixteen hundred dollars and right. so she's very very upset about her lack of money. What station did she work for? Oh, I thought she was in radio. No, Sorry. <laughs> no she. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you mean a sidetrack story. That's, a, that's an inside radio <laughs> joke. Radio people that make no money, we except for Spike and I, we're rich. <laughs> um, so, she, what she was saying was uh, that she was so deeply upset about this, you know, this whole thing, and she just wants to live her life, and she just wants to be free, and all this other stuff. And and I was looking at her, I'm like, you know, lady, eighty years ago, 150 years ago, let's just 150 years ago, people would be praying to the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to have a, a home that had windows that was right. uh, that had a magic box that they could walk up to and move a dial one direction or another right. and it would magically change the temperature these are people who worked 12 hour days yep. just to live yep. and i under, i understand the frustration with our current capitalist matrix i experienced it myself but let's have like a little bit of gratitude for the for modernity and in a sense in another way is also like let's have a little bit of gratitude for the the industries that we've centered around making sure that we don't all end up with salmonella right here here all right so uh thai chai for fratur- theta chai how do i wait theta, you, i think it's theta you were chai. in a sorority right Laura? i was in a sorority okay why first and foremost would you do that to yourself uh well okay. do you want an honest answer <laughs> yes I, do. I wanted to meet people and so i went through recruitment just to uh talk to people and then i decided to join at the end but I went through not not being sure if I wanted to do it or not. Okay. <laughs> you seem okay. like a, a nice student who'd be a good sorority sister. So, You'd be a good member of the house. Yeah. So it's th- a mutual selection process. Ah, right? mutual right. select. Mm-hmm. See, you are the. They're not just dating you. You're also dating them. Theta Chi fraternity is no longer formally recognized by Washington State University. The reason is because last January there was a young man who took his own life. Who was was it? What do they call it? Rushing? I think they call it. 
Well, right. everyone calls it recruitment now because rushing has such a negative okay. connotation, right. yeah. So, yeah. which is why I just said recruitment, because that was drilled into my brain over and over and over during recruitment. But yes, it's rushing. So after his death, the university chose to suspend all chapter activities due to the severity of the pending charges against the chapter. These charges included hazing, underage drinking, reckless endangerment and violating university policy. Long and the short of it is this poor young man, Luke Tyler, he was psychologically damaged by this process to such a degree that he took his own life. And that, although that's very, very sad, I think the headline behind the headline is why are we letting young men between the ages of 18 and 22 be unsupervised with booze and paddles? Because that's a recipe for disaster. That's where leadership is born. No, no, no on, it's yeah, not. The system. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm trying to try. What, trying what to, I'm saying is, is like this is like Lord of the Flies. Yes. But if they were all between the ages of 18 and 22, they get their own house that's basically unsupervised. They then have their own rituals and their own histories. They have their own parties that are exclusive to attend by only those people. Mm-hmm. What is it about when we say to young men, "You're 18. You're now an adult. You can do whatever you want." That is kind of an antiquated way of looking at it, being that we know that the brain doesn't stop fully forming until you're about 25 to 27. And so we're basically taking underdeveloped baby men and saying, here's a bunch of murder juice and some paddles. Play nice, right? And this is probably not the way that we should be operating. Have you seen the numbers on fraternity and sorority deaths over the last 40 years? I haven't seen the numbers, but I've heard far too many stories of horrific results. bad. It doesn't look like it's that fun. And for some reason, we're all like, Greek life, right? Well, so you said it's an antiquated system, I think. Right. Um, Is it on its last leg? Are there still positive elements of fraternity or sorority yeah, Laura. life in college these days? I mean, you're the most recent college person. I was never in a frat. I was, uh, you know, I was a dorm and then off-campus kind of person. I, I was never into the frat society culture. My parents owned a bar. I didn't need a frat, to be completely honest. Okay. <laughs> I had my own. My parents owned a place. Um, th- is there still benefit from that? I know it still survives and thrives. It still exists, and, and people take great pride in it. And being a member of certain fraternal houses. Laura, is it a thing? Spike is just, you've been asking the same question for a minute and 30 seconds, Spike. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, letting, I'm letting him go, though, because I think the answer is really complicated. Actually, my chapter doesn't exist anymore. It disbanded, like, maybe two years ago on my campus. And I, I went to a really small liberal arts college where Greek life wasn't a super big thing. Uh, so that's kind of why I joined it because it felt optional. It didn't feel like something that you had to do to meet people or was there any hazing? Popular. Was there any was there any rituals? No, that- but sororities are are a little bit different. Also, I I was in a national sorority, and most of the sororities on our campus were local. So okay. the local ones got away with way more than we did. Like okay. national sororities are really strict, and the local sororities definitely hazed. Okay, um, we didn't. So. My experience with it is, you know, I went back to college as a as an older student and because I wanted to get my degree so I could break through the paper ceiling, which nice. is a barrier which prevents people from getting the career of their choice because they lack a degree. Go to WGU.edu slash Seattle to learn more. I went back to college in my mid to late 20s because I wanted to, wanted to get a degree because I, I wanted to do something with my life and nobody would hire me. And uh, one of my, I lived in an apartment on campus and one of my housemates was Kay and she was this very diminutive Hispanic girl. She's probably like five, two, maybe very, very pretty, very, very outgoing, very, very boisterous, gregarious life of the party. Okay. Over about four months, I saw all that kind of drain away because of all the sorority stuff that they made her do. 
waking her up at one o'clock in the morning to go on night hikes, making her drink a ton of booze. She ended up dropping out at the end of the year. From school? Yeah. Largely because she had such a a horribly unpleasant experience. Because what she ended up doing is about three quarters of the way through the recruitment process, she was like, you know what, you guys, the whole binge drinking thing, the the I have to kiss this guy thing, you know, the whole if right. somebody comes up and touches my pin, I have to do the song and dance and pour stuff on myself. I don't really want to do that. I think I'm going to leave. The, the entire group of friends that she made over those couple of months, gone. Ostracized. Overnight, yeah. okay. right? Wow. So, and it was too much for her emotionally. And so when I reflect on it, I know that we have these like visions in our mind of like, oh, fraternity, and this is so great. But I, I think it's kind of a system that we could do away with. And why don't we just get back to having old-fashioned boys clubs, girls clubs, whatever it is, right? Do we need all this like bizarre skull and crossbones entering the CIA? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I hear you. Well, I was going to say, because there are connections made in fraternal life, sorority life. Right, look right? at Vivek Ramaswamy. Look well, at who he was hanging out with when he was at Harvard. Well, that's the thing. We, we always see the, 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 the bad examples that are made that are made public that get the notoriety. But I imagine there are, that's why I asked, are, are there people who still make great connections? Are there still benefits from being part of that system? One thing I thought was interesting after I graduated is that it is kind of like there's like a values connection in it. And it was a way to meet people when I moved to a new city that where I didn't have to connect through a church or some other kind of group bar scene or something yeah yeah it was kind of a neutral way to meet meet people i tried to join a sorority once they wouldn't a let sorority me in. yeah i tried to join one time really they wouldn't let me in they, they saw right through my ruse right <laughs> they saw right through it they were like we know what you're up to there we've seen that bad movie from 2008 with harlan graves what was that movie called oh i don't even know <laughs> we remember we know i know we, the movie talking about but what's it called oh it's horrible movie. we know what you're trying to do here and i was like what i'm just like i'm a girl just like you guys i can join this and they said no you're not and so they didn't let me in well good good for wazoo for booting, booting this fraternity's charter yeah, because of the abuse and the dangerous activity i agree and i'm hopeful that this system entirely goes away Interesting article from the Washington Post accusing me of lying to my therapist, which I don't do. But then they have a list of things that you can do instead. It's a short list. (laughs) Instead of lying? Instead of lying, right? But let us discuss therapy and the increasing numbers of therapy going on across the country when we get back right after this. Look at all the talking heads coming out for the war machine. Am I right or am I right? Look at just the system that unfolds in front of us. Everybody's out there shilling for the war machine. Right, Spike? Spike is looking at Mr. Liberal Snowflake over here is all of a sudden cheering when the most bloodthirsty statement was made on Fox News. You dance with the bear, but the bear decides when you stop a dancing, Spike. That, I got to tell you, man, I'm, you know, I don't know who the talking military head is. Right. You know, right? But why did you get so intoxicated by it, my friend? You were literally you got up out of your seat. You were like the you were like the little kids in Top Gun or something like that. You were like, Look at they're going to go kill some people. You got all excited well, about it. Well, liberal okay. snowflake of freedom over here. Got I am, all excited I am about- a liberal snowflake of freedom, but I am one that in in America. Mm-hmm. I'm an American mm-hmm. liberal snowflake of foot soldier freedom. Right? Because you um, know, retaliating with more death is always the solution to death. That's what I always say. Well, right? you know, you, to quote this military this this dinosaur of military experience that they right. had on, on Fox, the guy says, you dance with a bear, the bear decide when we stop dancing. Right. I'm thinking, man, that is, that is it in a nutshell. When you pick a fight with a superior power, 
the superior power decides when the fight is over. Right, but it doesn't have to be this way. Well, if if you're going to bomb American troops, you're going to if you make attack them and kill Americans. I okay. So here, let me ask this question really quick. Do you think that when th- these raids happened in Syria or these bombings happened in Syria, do you, what is the likelihood that the people who flew the drones that killed the American servicemen are at these camps? What do you think the likelihood is? We're doing a one to one here. Um, I, I, first of all, I think we're not doing a one to one. I think we're doing a twenty five to one, right? Which I think you should do. By yeah, I the mean, way, is that really? Well, I think I think you. I trust, and maybe I'm stupid for this. Maybe I'm naive on this front, and I'll give you this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm naive to think that the U.S. military has uh, investigated and planned to. They've attacked eighty five plus targets, which no, are all uh, listed as training sites. I understand, but this right? is what they want. So this is like you have to think about this from several different levels. One, these training camps are designed for these young men and women to be martyred mm-hmm. because that's what they want. Okay. Because if we think about what Iran wants as a theocracy, they want global jihad. Okay. That's what no, they want. I, I hear you. I'm- and so when you kill people who are in support of global jihad, it's just a recruitment tool for them. They don't really care. It doesn't really make any difference to them because they're going to continue to get money and they're going to continue to get recruits. Now, on the flip side of that, you have a bunch of guys in shady back rooms from Lockheed Martin or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and they are just they are just watching their stock price go through the roof. Oh yeah, roof. The stock market's going to explode more than Syria did. This is what I'm saying, my friend. So you got to understand, like the, the capitalist matrix that we that we are currently in loves to dance with theocracy because boy, howdy, is it good money? And this is consumerism at a level that actually involves death and destruction. So we're critical of, of mega corporations like Target or like Walmart or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We say, look at how greedy these people are and look at how they take advantage of their workers, so on and so forth. It's the exact same system that we see unfolding right here where you have talking heads who are justifying the use of American weaponry against global jihad, which is exactly what the jihadis want so that they can recruit more people. And thus the cycle never ends because it didn't work in 2000. It didn't work in 2004. Didn't work in 1993. How many times? USS Cole? How far do we got to go back no, on this? No, you're right. Iran Contra? I mean, how far back do we have to go on this to realize that this never works with theocrats, well, right? Let me ask you this because okay. I, I appreciate you, that you're read on this subject, that you're, that you're past. I do. I appreciate your, your knowledge and experience that you bring to this topic. Well, I appreciate you. What do Let's you, all just appreciate you, each other. <laughs> I appreciate you, you, Laura. What is a, What do you do when someone attacks American soldiers and I mean how else how else is this administration would you like to see this administration react how else can they possibly I don't, react I don't want them to do a thing about it I I want I would rather have okay so you notice that we've our our focus has suddenly shifted from the men and women the service people who lost their jobs who are being buried today by the way our focus has shifted from those people who lost their lives who that who should be centered right. on this issue and now we're being told to to look at the the spectacle we're being told to look at this war and death and destruction and not only that we're being told to be proud of it and to be enthusiastic about it does this not make safer those who are still in service no i don't this, think so. this doesn't limit or, or or lessen the chance that they'll be attacked no i mean it's uss cole again guy like i could go back i mean how many times have we done this same thing where we continue to in this region of the world which is mired in theocracies we continue to do this song and dance with these people, and it never goes anywhere. It never changes. You still have Assad. You still have theocracy in Iran. You still have uh, the royal family in Saudi Arabia. Right. I mean, you it do. just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And the people who make the most amount of money off of all of this are people who have shares in 
companies that make weapons or military equipment. Those are the people who really benefit from it. And so my the feelings that I get around I'm proud to be an American, let's light off fireworks and have the Blue Angels go over, all that, I am way so far past that it's not even funny because I see it for what it is, which is a, a, the most gross distortion of consumerism we could possibly engage in. That's why, who is that guy on right now? He's selling us on war. Who is this guy? It doesn't guy? matter which channel it is. It's it doesn't matter. CNN. Yeah, it doesn't Whichever matter. talking head is up there. Yeah. These, these are, this is not news. These are salespeople. This is, this is what they're selling us. This is what Her- Geraldo Rivera did back in 2002 when he was showcasing, this is what a Tomahawk missile does, and this right. is what a Black Hawk, it can go 200 and some odd miles per hour. This bad boy, hey, you ever take a look at this bad, this uh, Abrams tank over here? This bad boy is going to get two miles to the gallon. Just <laughs> take it wherever yeah, you want to do. Make you do the wonder, You are, with the American people get so high off of America, American exceptionalism that they don't even realize that the people who are feeding them that drug are people who don't care about them, don't care about people dying, don't care about service members, and are more concerned with their shareholders' opinions as to what the, how the company is doing versus what is going on in any particular region. That's how cynical I am about it. And uh, I'm proud to say it because I think that more people need to wake up to the fact that this is something that is sold to us. Iraq sold to us. Who, who do we have? We had Colin Powell, Powell speaking in front of everybody. He holds up a bottle of baby powder and goes, we found anthrax. And everybody goes, oh, here, right. take trillions of dollars right. and, and tens of thousands of American lives. And please keep us safe. Please just leave us alone in our own homes if we could only, again, yeah. network. No, no, Everything comes back to network, dude. This is the system that we are sold and people are happy to eat it up when it comes draped in an American flag and has those little sparks on the side from 4th of July. Pew, 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 pew. Wow, isn't this so great? I'm not into it, dude. I'm not into it. And I, so when, I completely when I respect it, what you're saying. When I, I see it, I just it. am like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, Biden's going to give some speech about whatever, fine. People are going to sign off on it, whatever, fine. But I see it for what it is, which is like just this gross version of, and I say this is a capitalist, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. But there's other ways to make money, to your point. There's better ways to make money. You know what the solution to this problem is? Game Boys. Say, what? Green, Game, no. Game Boys and iPads. Green energy. Do tell. I'm telling you, well, well, all this pushback against moving toward electric vehicles and electrification of our transportation and our powering systems. We're there because we need go-go juice. That's why we care about oh, this. That's why we care base. about this part of the world. Very big. Right? Well, we don't need it, but we want to keep the global petrodollar stable is really what it is because we produce it. It's very expensive to take oil across the hemispheres, right? It is, but, but America runs on Duncan. And by Duncan, I mean like Duncan in for more oil. And right, gas. which we mostly get from Canada and from Mexico. We don't get it from that part of the world? No. it's it's. You know how expensive it is to take very small amounts of that of, the, of crude oil and send it 5,000 miles across the ocean to the United States for it to be refined? I learn every day. You know, this, is why, this is why there's refineries in Louisiana yeah, and yeah, Texas yeah, yeah. and so on and so forth because we take our own. We get it from Canada. We get it from Mexico. That's where the vast majority of oil comes from in the United States, and we're happy to take it from companies like BP or whoever, Shell, whatever, and we all move on with our lives, right? Well, listen, man, so. I, I appreciate you being so uh, candid about how you feel about this topic. I really do. Well, I appreciate you. Then let's not fight in front of the children. We're not fighting. <laughs> not, a, not a fork was thrown. There's no ketchup on the walls. Right. Laura is wholly disinterested in this entire conversation. <laughs> does not even want to participate. No, Laura is riding the text line like Furious a, like a stallion line. over there, right? I certainly am. All yeah. right. Well, uh, we'll take a really quick break. We'll be right back right after this. All right. 
So, Friday show. Good job, everybody. I did want to talk about this article that was written in the Washington Post. We got sidetracked by ranting about the Middle East. And this article is actually really interesting because it was, it was written by uh, uh, Julie Fraga. And we have awful last name, by the way, if I can say that right. Pretty provocative last name. I think she might need. It's to, unfortunate. She's overcoming it. She might need to change that last name. Am I right? Fraga. <laughs> so says, uh, yes, we know that you lie to your therapist and here's what to do. Instead, speaking to a therapist takes courage and opening up can feel vulnerable. But skirting the truth comes at a cost. And they go through this. Why you shouldn't lie to, why, lie to your therapist. Mm-hmm. Now, because of my deeply traumatic childhood, I have been in and out of therapy since I was 16 years old. Okay. And so I take breaks and then I go back to it and then I take breaks and then I go back to it or whatever it is. Uh, one of the, the things that I would impart to people is when you're in that setting, you are literally paying a human being to be impartial. So you can say whatever you want and hmm. it's their job because that's the exchange. They are to be impartial about the words that come out of your mouth. Okay. And the other thing is, is that therapists are supposed to help you mine and navigate your thoughts, your subconscious thoughts, your old scripts that you've used mm-hmm. so on. Right therapists sometimes get very guru-y and that's when it's time to disengage from what I have learned. What do you mean by guru-y? Okay, so I was I was seeing this guy in Santa Cruz. I saw him like one time because he was so awful. I, I think I might have seen him twice. So but basically what happened is I'm on a, a Christmas break from college. It's like six weeks long. I had nowhere to go at the time so the college put me up in a hotel room by myself wow. <laughs> off campus. And so I'm living in a hotel room for like six weeks and I start seeing this. Actually, you know what? I think I saw him like three times. And so in Santa Cruz, they got old abandoned uh, train tracks, railroad tracks they okay. don't use. And the fastest way from the hotel to this guy's office was on the railroad tracks. So think, stand by me. I'm walking on the railroad tracks. Sure. Minding my own business. I think to myself, I feel silly and whimsical today. I will walk on the railroad track itself in my Chuck Taylors, which have no gripping to them because they're five years old. They're basically like bald tires. Okay. And what happens is I, as I am being whimsical and fun. You're like making a, me nervous already. I'm like a cat on a roof in a Disney movie who's like singing a song yeah. where I'm like, we are going to be friends. And then I slip and I fall on my face. It goes right into the metal on the railroad track. It hurt really bad, but not I can't function anymore bad. It basically feels like I got popped in the face by Iron Man but not like in a difficult, you know, it's kind okay. of like a mistaken. You lived through it. I lived through it. And I go, I don't want to pay the cancellation fee. I'm going to go see this guy who's a therapist. I walk in and I say, sorry about my face, which is already starting to bruise. I say, I fell on the railroad tracks when I went and he goes, you know, this is a place for us to be honest. This is a place for us to just talk about what's really going on. Really? And, and I go. Yep, I was walking on the railroad tracks and I slipped and I fell. And you can see it on my hands. I got a little road rash on my hands and I got this big old abrasion on my face. And <laughs> that's just what happened. And he goes, Who hurt you? Did your boyfriend hurt you? And I go, Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay, I didn't see that. I would I would have thought the first question would have been, Why were you dancing on railroad tracks? No, <laughs> Which no. It seemed like a high risk activity. And I go Well, he was going for therapist of the month. And I go So he needed a quota to fill. I go I I found the railroad tracks guy. Like this is not and he goes, Is this like the Nirvana song? I could use a friend. You know what song we're talking about. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I know the entire Nirvana catalog. Please. There was not a point. 
where that lyric ever shows up yeah, in the Nirvana catalog. So I'm sitting there, and this guy was like an overly enthusiastic moth. Do you know what I mean? He just kept yeah. throwing himself against. <laughs> and at a certain point in time, I was like, D- this guy's trying to guru me right now. Yeah. And so I never went back to him because it was so weird. But uh, the the thing that I've learned from being in and out of therapy for so long is that that time that is it's not I'm not trying to get them to like me ever when I'm right. in therapy. The, the article says people lie because they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed they're or ashamed. ashamed. Of their, yeah. But what I found is that I will often front load things that I have insecurity or shame around. And I will say, I'm very ashamed to talk about this. And I would appreciate it if you would be gentle with me. With You know what I mean? It's like you have to kind of prepare yourself well, that's the, for the, the gist, discourse. The gist of this article, which I love because it offers some solutions to the right. problem they identify, is uh, get in front of it. Name the shame. And, and that's exactly what you, you do. Right. And that, I mean, that's just the way that I prefer to do it. I know other people have had really awful experiences, but there are excellent therapists out there where you can actually sit and discourse. I do recommend that people don't do like the 30 minute sessions that some people do. You ever hear about this? Why? No, why? Is that a thing? How could you possibly some people talk they, about enough? They have a psychologist stuff. that they go and they do like a thirty minute session with a psychologist, and they think that's enough. When in reality, you need about an hour. To an really hour do flies it. by. You're really going to be honest. Cracking it open in but, thirty. Yeah. And the other thing that people do is they 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 will like happy talk for fifteen minutes, and then they'll slowly dip their toe in, and then by the time they get to the issue that's really bugging them, it's like, well, we're out of time. I'll see you next week. The thing, you got to go right in there and they say, how are you doing? You need to immediately say whatever it is. You got to jump right in the cold water. Yeah, I'm so bad at that. I'm always like, how are you doing? No, you got, that's <laughs> how, all. How is right, your week going? <laughs> that's all avoidant behavior. And so what I've learned in my many years of doing this is when my therapist says to me, how are you doing? I go, bad. And then I'm just, we're in it. We're right? off. <laughs> we're like off. a starter's pistol. Because You're paying I, by the minute, right? I'm, right. I'm not paying to happy talk about the weather or sushi or whatever it is. I'm paying because I have this thing I need someone to listen to me to and not, and not, you know what I mean? Like, is there, is there a benefit to people who are new to therapy to tiptoe in, to spend a few minutes you have cracking? To, well, no, you have to, I mean, isn't yours an experientially learned? No, you have to get used to the language of therapy because the therapeutic conversation is not the same as a regular conversation. Good. Okay. A therapeutic conversation is you're trying to relate old ideas that you've held on to for a very long time and you're yeah. trying to bring them out and then reanalyze them and see if they're useful or not. Okay. Which well, is I think we made some real progress, Jack. We're out of time. Hey, we're out of time here, yeah. but uh, like that was so well set. Go up ahead and uh, <laughs> go ahead and check out with <laughs> really good space. Go, go talk to <laughs> go talk to Janice at the yeah, front we'll desk. Get you, get you scheduled get for you next scheduled time. for next yeah. week, and uh, she'll right. send you the bill. All right, Nate Connors, A plus over there, buddy. Always, Brilliant. Thank you. Always the smartest guy in the building, Andrew. Right on top of it with the drops. Laura, A-plus as well. Spike, we'll give you solid C-minus today. Good Friday showing. Thanks, pal. Solid C-minus. I appreciate it. Even though this. you're pro-war and pro-death. Hey, I learned a lot, though. <laughs> I learned a lot. I seriously, man. I learned a lot today. Yeah. I appreciate this. Here's your quote of the day. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? John Voigt. Jo- I said jo- Academy Award winning jo- Deliverance. Anyone? I said John Voigt. He's an act. Angelina Jolie's dad. 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 Oh, yeah. that's who he is. <laughs>